Hello everyone, we're back again with a new episode, we're talking about the qualifiers, football news, some awkward news to, to touch on and some managerial signings. So without further ado, welcome to the latest episode of Farcona Podcast. So Josh, how are you doing, my bro? I mean, I'm great. I'm great. It's a good thing that I'm not from these big nations that just disappointed their fans this past week. Portugal, Italy, failing to qualify automatically. They have to go through the playoffs. And it's not certain that they will actually qualify. So who knows? We're missing some big dogs in the Qatar World Cup. I'm telling you, the most shocking one is Italy, who just won the Euros. So it's very shocking. I, I, I wasn't even shocked. Italy own because since the Euros they've played like four or six how many matches have they played I think there have been three different international breaks so that's six matches since Euros and believe me when I say that Italy have not impressed me in any of those matches sure they've gotten a few wins but they've stopped there's no aggression in their game anymore they're they, like yesterday like I could have even been in that Northern Ireland defence and would not have considered because it was walking pace they were strolling they were just passing the ball very slowly from side to side, giving Northern Ireland time to sit back and get, in, get themselves in good shape. It's the same thing they've done since the Euros. But in the Euros, we saw them playing fast football. I don't know what has happened to them. Um, I think um, Mancini needs to go back to the drawing board. Because right now, I don't know. I don't know, in, I don't know if I'm tr- trying to be biased, but right now, the country I enjoy watching, I, I don't want to call Germany because Germany, they are bullying people. That's... That's not football. That's bullying. That's bullying. Um, I mean, that, that's why country... good coach brings you, right? <laughs> of course, of course. He's a good manager. I think he's wasting his talent being a national team manager right now. But we'll come to no, that later. I think he wants to be a legend. He has already won the Champions League. How many coaches have won both the Champions League at the World Cup? Very few. So he might just enter that select group. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But the country I like watching now is Spain. Like... What, what Luis Erika has been able to achieve. Like, I could see the way he was happy as soon as Spain were able to wrap up that win against Sweden. Like, this is... This is since, since that entire thing with his daughter, with his family, I was so happy for the guy. I don't know. Like, it's as if I'm a relative of the guy. I was just so happy. I was smiling watching the game and seeing how excited he was after the game. Yeah, I was, I was, very happy, I was for happy for I was happy for Morata, not Enrique, because Morata, much maligned. Morata has had... Morata's career has been the definition of up and down. Today, Morata scores a brace out of nothing. Tomorrow, Morata misses three golden opportunities in a single match and his team lose. So, it, and even this year, we've seen it. At the Euros, missing big chances in some matches. And even the match they got eliminated, he scored the equalizer and missed his penalty in the shootout. So, that's just the career of Morata. So at least this past weekend was one of the ups. So we we hope we don't see it down soon. Yeah, I agree as well. I agree because when you look at Spain, they play really, really good football, very attractive. But they, they, they just, just they just miss one thing. That is cutting edge. It's as attractive as England bullying. Is it as attractive as England and bullying? I mean, Hurricane got Hurricane is shameless. Scoring against the less privileged. Two Matches that he has scored hat-trick in the first half. This time around, it was even four goals he scored in the match in the first half. England walking away 
10 new winners. Let's start from there. Um, is there anything we can take away from this match? Um, it just proves the point that the European qualifiers is a joke. It's not as competitive as the South America qualifiers. It's not as competitive as the um, African qualifiers as well. And so, people trying to run think, the agenda. So, so yeah. do you think... So now, you're, 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 you're basically putting forward the agenda that the qualifiers should be altered. But I think, it's, I think it's okay because I think these small nations want to compete against the big boys. Yeah, they know that they'll probably lose 6 nil and above. But on the other occasion, they can frustrate a big team and end up losing by only one goal. And trust me, if they lose by only one goal to a big team or draw with a big team, that will make the entire nation happy. So to have that glimmer of hope, I think it's okay. It's, I think it's allowed that they keep competing with the big boys in qualifiers. Um, but the, the truth is, the truth is, we can't keep like uh, San Marino. They they've scored just one goal and conceded forty two in this World Cup qualifier. So they have a like um, a goal difference of minus forty one. So it's it's when you look at stat like that, it's actually abysmal. Um, England love playing against. Um, you, you, you think you can get into the national team? I mean, speaking of abysmal, I've seen you play. Nothing to write home about. Are we? Are, if if I play against San Marino, I will score a hat trick. I'm telling you. Of course, because, of course. Because because the I, when you I look at their team, podcast with me instead of yeah, yeah no, no, truthfully, truthfully, when you look at their team, when you look at their team, their team is not is not. They are, most of them they are not professional footballers. They are not even professional footballers. There is this stat I'm currently looking at on my screen. So England have played eight games against San Marino. Guess how many goals they scored. Um, I don't know. My math is bad, but I want to say average of seven a game. So eight times seven should be fifty-four. Okay, you were close. They've scored fifty-two goals against San Marino and considered <laughs> just one, just one. I mean, I'm Man, not. I'm not see, I'm honestly, not UEFA, UEFA needs to look into this. This is not a joking matter. No, no, but, but what do you want? Do you want them to banish these teams from qualifying? It will not be fair. At least they have to play football once in a while. Like you said, they are not professionals, so let them have the joy of actually stepping onto the pitch once in a while. You see, you see the way I see it, huh? You know the way we have the Champions League, where the champions are already they are battling against the champions. Then, for example, now big nations who have qualifiers around nations that play they are like nations that are footballing nations then the smaller nations that are actually trying to compete and make something for themselves but they then why, why are they against, qualifiers they should, I mean these smaller nations don't deserve to get to the World Cup so why are we going to put them on their own in qualifiers no 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 understand what let me let me learn so those smaller nations they will face against themselves then when they face against themselves they will not auto, um, automatically go to the playoffs not directly into the World Cup to the playoffs, and if they were, if they are able to now, um, scale, scale through from the playoffs, then they cannot get into the World Cup itself. That means they actually. Yeah, but that means taking the World Cup substandard because you have a few low, lowly rated teams sneaking in. No, the the rated the few low rated teams will be that they actually deserve to be there because after playing against their mates, they will still now play in the playoffs where you still have some big nations in it. And if they can still scale scale through, that means but, they actually deserve but, to be there. But a one off can happen and they can beat a big nation is is like sneaking through undeservedly rather than paying big nations throughout. And but that's the same thing. Yes. One of can still happen after getting into the World Cup. The truth is, the truth is, there are so many slots for European teams. That's why you see Afri African teams, 
South American teams, there are very few in the competitions because Europeans take most of the slot. And even now that they are trying to extend the World Cup to, I think, is it 40? I think 42 or... I think 46. Yeah, yeah, they are trying to expand it. This, the most of the slot still goes to European teams, and because and by and looking at that, I, I don't think it do, actually makes sense because what makes World Cup enjoyable is where some big nations miss out, so that next time they need to pattern up and make sure they get into the comp- competition. That's why the World Cup is special. So we cannot just be having having European teams always make the slots because they actually they at actually the end play of the day, Marino. I, I think at the end of the day, it's based on the ranking. Yeah. You are, because let's be honest, most European teams, like the averagely, let's say Poland, or Poland is even too big. Let's say um, Serbia. Serbia is probably better than the best African team. So when you have it... No, no, I disagree. I disagree. I said probably. I said probably. It's not no, sure. even probably, I, I disagree. What's the best African team? Um, okay, right now, Africa might not be at their best. But hey, not... exactly so so you but, have but what, what, but but, but just outrightly say like listen listen Africa Africa they are a footballing nation yes Africa they've not gotten to the semis of the World Cup but you can clearly see that Africa's we deserve more slots in the competition South American yeah, teams I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say Africa deserves a few more slots but not that much maybe maybe I think there are just five Af- slots for Africa I'm not so sure I think five. There are five if, slots. If four, four is guaranteed. Then the, there's one that swings around. Okay, okay. So I think ideally, let's say I'll probably not. If I were in charge, give Africa six slots. It's not like I will make them a lot have a lot more slots because at the end of the day, you're talking about the quality on show at the World Cup. So there's no sentiment involved. If if you're FIFA, you're putting teams that you feel will give the fans a show, and you have, obviously better teams are going to give a better show. So that's why we have. More teams from South America and Europe getting to the World Cup than from Africa, which I think is fair until African teams actually prove themselves. Because we've seen the best African nations go to World Cups and not even get out of their group. So when you have performances like that from the best in Africa, then if you're FIFA, why would you give more African teams a chance if their best can't get out of the group? Man, the truth is, the truth is, I just feel like they need to restructure the entire team so that the competition seems fairer and smoother because you because look at it now you just mentioned Harry Kane scoring a hat trick okay now but but now Harry Kane has only scored one goal this season in the Premier League and now this season alone Harry Kane has 17 goals in all competition that means yeah, he's he, has, he has 10 goals for England um which leads me you just um introduced me perfectly like transition perfectly to my next question so these goals Harry Kane has scored now Will it give him any confidence at all going into the Premier League or does it not matter in any way? Um, I think it will give him confidence. He needs the confidence normally. Um, a striker needs the confidence so that the striker knows that they still have their goal-scoring ability. But I would say, what I would say, he should not get delusional because the the quality of the opponents he faced, they are not, like the average defender in the Premier League won't defend as, as bismal as those other teams. Let's be real. I mean, I saw so, that Tyron Mings was looking like prime Maldini, like just bullying their strikers. Exactly. Exactly. That shows you the level of the player, um, the level of um, players on show from the opposition. Um, But I think, I don't even think he will get any confidence from this whatsoever. He knows. 
that this is not quality opposition. All it tells him is that okay, I can still finish if I have chances. So all he needs to now work on is okay, let me try and position myself better because I know I can finish. But if he goes onto the pitch thinking, oh, I scored four goals against San Marino, I'm back, then I'm sorry for him. Because trust me, that's not the case. Uh, some people say Antonio Conte is Conte's um, rules are working because he has banned ketchup, mayonnaise, pizza, and Harry Kane goes on to score seven goals in two matches for his country. So, Anthony Conte is the reason, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so, we had um, a brief discussion before we came on air, but let's start with this. Portugal are going via the playoffs. How did you get to this? Um, truthfully, um, some people will say they'll go back to the goal that got ruled out. Uh, out. Um, was he late? Um, well, I think yeah, it was yeah. earlier. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Some people still, still, still um, went on to bring out that goal and say if Ronaldo, if that goal had stood, Portugal would be through. And we'll no, have I'm to, not... Uh, not that they had multiple chances to do better. Exactly. So what I'll just say at the end of the day, I just think it's the same it's the same thing I see with even in club football with some teams. They have the players, but they are, it's just like you're cooking. You have the right ingredients, but you don't know how to put it together. That's what is the problem. Okay. So now you just said something which basically points a finger towards the coach. You have the ingredients. I mean, look at that Portugal squad. You have Ronaldo, arguably the greatest footballer of all time. Um, we have Bruno Fernandes, we have Bernardo Silva, we have Jao Cancelo, who is one of the best right backs in the world, and also one of the best left backs in the world. The same man. You have Jao Moutinho, experience. You have Ruben Neves, very underrated midfielder, in my opinion. You have Jao Felix. You have Diogo Jota. I mean, you have a proper team, and then they go out playing like that. I mean, I think. I think now I don't know how many people are, who agree with me, but I think all these or some of these, especially national team managers, they overstay their welcome. They win a trophy or they get to semi-final or final, and then they do nonsense for like four years or more, and no one says anything because you took us to success once. So I'll give you an example of your King Love, one World Cup 2014, complete nonsense since then nonsense for six entire years before he was sacked or his contract was not extended after the Euros this year. You have the case of Didier Deschamps who, after winning the World Cup 2018, fans were dreadful for three years and also dreadful at the Euros. And then because they won the... Oh, what, was that, what was that friendly tournament called again? Nations League, right? Yeah, Nations because League. They won, <laughs> yeah, because they won the Nations League now, everybody's keeping quiet like Didier Deschamps is... All of a sudden, he's a wonderful coach. So, I mean, why is Fernando Santos Portugal's coach? He should have been sacked ages ago. Um, the thing is, honestly, um, I'm the last person that blames the manager. I know people people will hear this and laugh because oh, I, Kuman. I was on Kuman. I was on Kuman's case. But the thing exactly. is, I'm the last person that will turn on the manager. I always allow give them chance. The truth so, is the reason why Stephen is your club because now you don't care about Portugal. So I understand. No, why you... no, it's not. It's not about when it's my club. The thing is, I, I've not seen. I've not seen the situation where I would say you have overstayed his welcome. Like I won't. I won't lie really? and say Portugal. 
I won't lie and say Portugal play the best of footballs. I won't say that. But <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, when you have Ronaldo, the thing is, the team tries to play to the strength of Ronaldo. It might not be the best for what the team is trying to do, but you could see that because they're trying to accommodate Ronaldo, some people will hear this and say, Ronaldo is Ronaldo a problem. In some aspect of the game, yes, Ronaldo is a problem. But you cannot deny that having Ronaldo on the pitch, one of the greatest goal scorers um, okay, so. of all time, is a pro- like a problem. So the truth is, they need to go back to the drawing board and find a way to play and win matches comfortably with the players they have. And if um, Fernando Santos can't do it, then I think they should now look for someone else because he has given them um, all the best he has or all, all the best he has had to offer in the past how many years he has been in that job. I can't yes. even remember the Portugal coach before Fernando Santos. Exactly. So, um, I'll just say I disagree about what you said about Ronaldo and here's why. Ronaldo is a finisher now. Ronaldo is not a flying winger anymore. Ronaldo is not a... Of course, he's still skillful but Ronaldo chooses not to be skillful on the pitch. He just, even in an interview he gave recently, he said that he saves himself for big moments in, in matches. So Ronaldo just wants to stay in the box and score goals. Tappings, headers, he does not care. He wants to score goals. And neither do, do his teammates or the fans of his club care. So when you have that, all I'm asking is, obviously I agree with you, Ronaldo doesn't press and all that. All I'm asking is, okay, we know what? Ronaldo is not going to press. But guess what? Let's have a pattern of play from our defense down. Let's utilize Cancelo, who is one of the best attacking fullbacks in the world. Let's utilize Ruben Diaz, who has been playing in Man City for, for two seasons now. And he's now very adept at playing out from the back. Let's utilize Jao Moutinho, who is a very good playmaker. Ruben Neves, a very good playmaker. Speaking of playmakers, guess what? There's Bernardo Silva. There's you know, Fernandez. So let's make our team play well and then we have Ronaldo finishing chances. So I'm not going to come and say that they are adjusting and trying to... What, what strengths are they trying to play to? What did they create yesterday? Nothing. Like, and, and the problem for me is that I've seen teams and I'm like, okay, this is this team's strength. This is their weakness. Like, I can say, so far this season, Chelsea's weakness has been Obviously, they've scored a lot of goals, but if it, if you really check it, they've not been that creative. So Chelsea's strength is their defense, then a semi weakness is the attack. Man City strength is attack. Liverpool strength is attack. Weakness defense, and you can see patterns of play. You can see that Spain create a lot of chances, don't utilize them because they don't have world class strikers. Apologies to Alvaro Morata. So you have teams like that. But guess what? At least they are good at something. Portugal are not good at defending. Portugal are not good at attacking. So please tell me what the coach does in training. Okay, let me let me just put it like this in, in order not to drag this too much. The truth is, Portugal, there was once once upon a time they had great talents. As they had Luis Figo, Deco, all those sort of sort I mean, of great players. Great yes, yes. They they, they 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 had a young Ronaldo too. They had Nani, so many players. Then the talent dried up for a bit. The person that was carrying them was Ronaldo. So there's the way Ronaldo Santos set up the team was to play to Ronaldo's strengths back then. They were a defensive side that hits teams on the counter. But right now, with the, the with the talents they have, they can't still play that kind of football because they have players now that can express themselves. They have 
Bernardo Silva, Joao Felix, so many players that you've mentioned already. So now they can still be playing as like as the underdogs in so many in some of all these matches. They have to take the fight to the opponents, and that is now the problem because they are stuck in a a pattern of play they are used to over how many years now they are trying to evolve from that pattern of play and that and that's what I think Fernando Santos is struggling with and I think in due time he will he will look for a way to make sure that his um, attacking players start being expressive and start playing explosive football that we expect them to be, uh, be showing on the pitch. Um, I hope you're right. I hope he evolves because there's there's this thing that fans say they call some of these old coaches dinosaurs that. They are too old. They cannot evolve. They are just a cake and everything. And I'm afraid that's the case with Fernando Santos because this has been years, not months, not one year, two years, not three years. This has been years and still there's no clear pattern of play. So if he hasn't done it now, I don't know when he will ever do it. And there was even an argument on Twitter who is worse between Oligon Associa and Fernando Santos. It hasn't got into that. <laughs> I mean, Fernando Santos is not that bad, even though I just finished criticizing him for the last five minutes or so. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I just, I just hope he, he, he turns things around because I like the guy. I like the man. Well, uh, 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 no worries. Portugal will qualify for the World Cup, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Portugal will qualify. Like, there's no way they go then, down. Then with Italy. Um, Italy. Italy. Italy, they will qualify. They will qualify. Um, I, and now that leads me to the next thing. Mancini was, I mean, Mancini spoke like his team had just won a tournament after the match. Mancini said that they are a great side. And I'm here, I'm like, I'm watching the interview and I'm like, huh? You guys just drew new new with Northern Ireland and you come out and say you're a great side and that, that you, you are going to go via the playoffs, but you can even win the World Cup next year. So here's a man talking about winning a World Cup that they've not even qualified for yet. Talk about confidence. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like, I think, I think it's one of all those things where I like, I, we can criticize him for having that mentality. But to me, I like those kind of mentality because when you're a player watching that from your manager, it gives you confidence. Like, it's not like Kuman that comes and starts being a demi, a Debbie Downer and starts being pessimistic. And that reflects on the training ground and what the players' outputs, um, what we see as the players' outputs on the pitch. So I, I like that from the manager. And, I, and to me, even, even coming from this, like one of the three nations I had in my mind that would perform well from Europe, I'm not even talking about from, or because definitely there are South American teams on all of that. From one of the three nations I had in my mind that would do well in the 2022 World Cup is Germany, Spain, and Italy. So I, I was like, one, one way or another, Italy will find a way to win. And I just think if Jorginho had scored that penalty, they will win. Um, they could have easily yeah, qualified. Um, Jorginho mean. now... So, imagine... How would Jorginho feel? Because the, quali- the playoffs are not until March next year. So, if you're Jorginho or any other Italian player, does it play on your mind? Are you going to be down? Or do you just put it to one side and focus on your club game? Easier said than done, right? Yes, he just said that though, but I don't think it will affect Jorginho. Jorginho is one of the experienced players in that Italian team and he's one of the experienced players in that Chelsea team as well. He has a very, very strong mentality. So I think Jorginho will bounce back and yeah. he'll, be wait- he'll, be, he'll be wanting to make amends. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I think um, the experience and I think not just Jorginho, I think every player, because now that we have 
all these players play for big clubs. So, for example, now you have players in Juventus who they have problems at Juventus. So, after this international break, they're going to face the problems. They're they not going to be thinking about the national team. Trust me. You have Jorginho who his manager took care is going to tell him, yo, focus on the title race here. And then you think about Italy when March comes around. So, you have players that they have a lot at stake at their club. So, I think even if you don't have, you don't want to forget the Italy um, debacle or whatever, you're going to have to forget it because there's a lot at stake at the club at club level. What you're just saying in 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 like but the bottom line of what you're saying is life life has to go on and everything moves quickly. So <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, life life has to go on. Um, we had Germany beat Armenia four one. Surprise, surprise. Um. Though the surprise was that Armenia scored, though it was a penalty, so um, we understand how that happened. Um, we had Rudiger getting a yellow card in their previous game that they won eight new, and on Twitter, I mean, I I love I love following what fans do on Twitter because it's just crazy. You had on Twitter, Chelsea fans were happy and celebrating because he was suspended from this game against Armenia because he got a yellow card against I think Kosovo. So they were like, he purposely got yellow so that he returned to Chelsea early. Yeah, uh, it's good. It's all, it's all good. It's good. I think, and that, I that's what he wanted. That's, that's if, you, if, you, if you see the yellow, it was so needless. <laughs> so, maybe he really did it. Too much. Uh, maybe he really did intentionally. Maybe I, he did I mean, intentionally. No, no one is going to tell me. Did. I'm, I'm 100% sure he did it intentionally. I'm 100% sure. Um, and you also, had, you also have Chelsea fans on Twitter who are saying that Jorginho should no longer be their penalty taker because he missed the penalty for Italy. What do you say to that? That's, people are just reactionary. That's what I would say. That's not, that's, not I mean, that's a whole lot of nonsense as well to me. Exactly. But but then the counter-argument is you have Kaku is also not bad from the sport. Who is in number nine? So, and we know strikers at the end of the day like to count their goals. And we know that goals, that penalties add a lot to goals tally because Salah's got Salah every season gets like 10 penalties. Same we now do every season at least 10 penalties. So at the end of the day, when you say Salah scored 30 goals, you go, wow. But nobody cares that 10 were penalties. So at the end of the day, is it not better for Tukel to hand Lukaku penalty duty? So if Lukaku scores 17 goals from open play and 10 penalties, at the end of the day, you can say he scored 27 goals. Um, For Liverpool, once upon a time, James Mina was their penalty taker. His conversion rate is high. And I even think if James Mina is on the pitch, most likely he's the one taking the penalties. But it's just that you Salah... Can't, you can't do that to Salah, man. You no, no, no. The truth is, I, I remember when Salah was still banging in goals. It was Mina that was their penalty taker. What I'm just saying is, what I'm just saying is, until Jorginho proves that he's very, very ineffective from the sport, sport, that's when they should give it to Lukaku. Okay, fair enough. I, I, think, I think, yes, yes, I can understand why you don't want to take it away from Jorginho now because... He, I think he needs an arm around him. Just say that, yo, we trust you. You're the best penalty taker at this club. You keep taking it. Forget about what happened with Italy. You can, you've can, you done better in the past. You can do better in the future. So, I don't think it's a big deal. People like to make a meal out of virtually anything these days. Exactly. Um, I just want to highlight something. So, there was this awkward news that came. So, Luis Vaha fell off his, train, um, his bike after the training session and was brought to a hospital and he was placed in a wheelchair. So the next day, um, he was trying to prepare um, Netherlands oh. for their last game. So he came to the training ground with a golf cart 
So he drove the golf cart and had a session with his team. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! What will we I mean, not see? Like I, I don't, I, I, I don't know if you saw the video, but he, he no, came I didn't, with the golf. Oh, it's a very funny thing. He came with the golf cart in the training session. He had I, a training I remember, session with I remember the player. Most had an injury and was with with crutches uh, when PSG played the Champions League final against Bayern Munich. And I was laughing because I had never seen a coach injured before. Apparently, he got the injury in training as well. But the, but that but, but that one was even okay. But for you to come, like he didn't even come in his wheelchair. He came in, in a golf cart. Oh my god. That, that's, that's, that's faster. That's faster and less stressful because oh, he's, he's, he's moving the vehicle. He's not having to roll the tires of the wheelchair. That was actually of smart. Of course. I know, I know you agree to awkward things like this. Of course. No problem. <laughs> um, okay, now let's go over to African qualifiers for a bit. Um, and I just want to touch on just one match. You have South Africa that... Um, South Africa playing against Ghana. Very, very important match. Ghana ended up winning 1-0. A very controversial, dubious penalty, to say the least. Um, now, South Africa, the South African FA are saying that the the match has to be replayed. Is it possible for FIFA to replay the match? I, because I don't think it's possible because unless you can prove that it was match-fixing, you just tell you it was a ref- and unfortunately South Africa out ah, man it's, it's because of the weight of like the repercussions or the 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 um the way um, what is it, how would I put it the, re, the outcome of what is going to happen that's why they are pushing this thing but I think at the end of the day FIFA will do their own investigations they will look into it if there is any evidence of foul play then they will, they will definitely have to ban people. But I don't think to replay the match will happen. I think it's it's something that is part of football. And I don't I don't yeah, know. I don't but, know. I don't know. But it's just one of one of all those things. Yeah, I think I I feel for them because at the end of the day, you work so hard for for this, and a referee making a very stupid decision can cost an entire nation. In this case. Sometimes a club, sometimes relegation, sometimes winning a, a trophy. So referees all of a sudden can ruin an entire season for millions of people. But one thing I'll say is, like I like you said, I don't I don't think it's going to be replaced because guess what? If we if we played every match and there was a referee decision, we will still be in the old nine ten season because trust me, that season will still not have ended. No season will be finished if we replay every single match with a few errors. Yeah, that's that that that's and at the end of the day, I just think it's, it's like a and we I think we've had we've had this conversation on the uh, the episode. I think the um, the the title of the episode is the price of incompetence. So referee, the power of referee is too much, and they really need to look into it because well, referee decision can change the course of an entire outcome in a football match so yeah i think um let me let me just continue with that incompetence but this time not from the refuse aspect but from the aspect of the organizers so we know that africa is cash trapped um the football associations of the different countries don't have enough money to implement vr and all that that apparently that's what they said but i think you could have a situation whereby a nation chooses one 
stadium in their country to play their matches, just like how England have Wembley. I think England are probably the only country that have like, okay, this is Wembley because in Germany, you can have matches in Berlin, you can have matches in in Bavaria, like you can have matches in different places. In Italy, they also play matches in Milan, Rome, but England have Wembley. So I, what I expected is just all these African countries that are playing in the qualifiers, pick one one state, one stadium in your country and put fear out there. And then I think would have avoided this mess. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that solution. That's that's an easy um, easy solution. But you know, as Africa things are, so many corruptions happen, and I think it's because of the way um, the the nation is, uh, and let's say the continent is. Because if the nation, if the continent fights and try to combat this corruption thing, the footballing their things, they will be doing better with the resources that they have. Um, okay, so now we're done with qualifiers. With qualifiers, um, let's just touch on two managers in the Premier League new appointments. Gerard has come out to say that that the Asimvila job was too big to turn down, although he knows it's a risk that he might not succeed, but it was too big to turn down. So, is it telling us that Asimvila, a mid table Premier League club, are bigger than the biggest club in Scotland? Wow, I'm shocked. Um. <laughs> What we say is reading between the lines. It's clearly, it's clearly stated there. <laughs> so reading between <laughs> the lines. Let, but, let's, but, let's not even do that to Aston Villa. Aston Villa, they've won the Champions League before. So they are a bit Oh, fine. yeah, that, that's true. Nottingham Forest as well. Not Sparta, Faha. Does that make all of them big clubs? Yes, yes. If you won the Champions League, then you have, you have, you have, you have, you have a, 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 you can be in the conversation of being a big club. No, no, no. You have a you have a place in the history of Champions League, but does that necessarily make you a big club? Okay, okay. Let me let me put it like this. Let's say, uh, like Barcelona is going down the drain. If Barcelona don't win the Champions League, they stop being um as dominant as they were in La Liga. Maybe they become a mid-table club from that next forty years. Barcelona now still a big club. So so wait, let me get this. Let me get this. Your question, right? If Barcelona go trophies for the next forty years, are they still a big club? Is that your question? Yes, that's the question. They are not a big club. Forty years without a trophy, <laughs> you are not a big club, my guy. Okay, no problem. If that's the way you see it, then it's cool. It's cool. I don't. I, I don't like living in the past. I like living in the present. So no, the you, big club. You guys, you guys, you guys, you guys mix this thing. You guys mix this in the, this thing up. There's the, it's just the same argument that I used to say. There's the big six in the prem, and there's the top six in the prem. That's the same thing. You can be a big club, but it doesn't mean you're a top team. So, how, so, so, wait, so, so how long? How long is too long to, for you to live in the past? Because okay, let's say forty years trophyless is not is not long enough for you. But what about hundred years trophyless? Is that not too long? Hundred years, hundred years can still be long, but when your history is still far. And beyond other other clubs. Okay, okay. Let me put it like this. Before I think before two thousand and wait, hold on. Before two thousand and was it two thousand and two? Um, I forgot. Is it two thousand and thirteen? Yeah, I think two thousand and thirteen. When last you think Real Madrid won the Champions League? That was a long time ago. But I cannot still say Real Madrid. It wasn't that long. It was like I think it was two thousand and one. It wasn't that long. That's that's how many years? Calculate it. It's still a long time. Eleven. Eleven years. 11 years, yeah. 40 years. I mean... Okay, okay, okay. What about Liverpool that have not won the premiership in 30 years? 
What we said about that? Won, won two Champions Leagues within that period. I mean, that's the thing. You can still be successful, but the the, the example you gave was entirely trophyless for forty years. Come okay, on. maybe my example was too extreme, but it's cool. I understand what you're saying. It's cool. Um, so back to Steven Gerrard. Um, do you think? Do you agree with him that it's a risk? Because I actually see him succeeding there. Or do you think there can be any reason that he, he fails to do so? Um, it's a, honestly, let's be real. It's a risk. When you take well, the the Premier League is very is a very competitive league. It's a very huge risk. And looking at um the position the eye in the table, but then the squad. Yeah, but but the the um the upside is that he has a very 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 good squad, so I think he should do well. And looking at the way he talks about football and the way like some of the things I'm reading, watching on YouTube, the way he trains and all of that, I think Steven Gerrard will be successful. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't even think it's a risk. I think I think the expectations are low. That's the first part. No one expects them to. I we touched on this in the previous episode. No one expects Aston Villa to compete in top six. So. If Gerard just plays attractive football and finishes 10th, then he has been successful, trust me. Um, now, the man that he replaced, Dean Smith, now the new Norwich coach. I'm not sure I would have, I would have advised him or any other person to take the job. Um, but can you see reasons why he took it? Um, I think he's got this track record. Let me put it like this. like The owners saw it like this. Norwich, they are most likely to go down this season. So what did they do? They offer, they offer Dean Smith a long-term contract, um, two and a half years. So they're looking at it like, if we go down this season, next season, we walk out, we, we start um, grinding in championship, then walk our way back into the league, then start solidifying our position in the Premier League. I think that's the plan. Because them thinking that they can't they will escape relegation this season, I think that's too much to ask. That's miracles. Because yeah, I think... I agree with you that I think it would be foolhardy to to expect them to escape relegation. Those stranger things have happened in football, but if you if you ask me now, my money is on them going down. And yes, he has a good record in the championship, getting promotion with Aston Villa. Um, but you think um, what do you think about clubs not having a a plan in place before sacking a manager? And the reason I ask this is because Dean Smith was sacked on a Sunday. And Daniel Faka was sacked the previous day, Saturday. So surely Dean Smith was not even a contender for the Norwich job. So I are they trying to tell us that they don't have a man in mind when they sacked Faka? Um honestly, I don't know. I think that's what people are trying to break down, even the experts themselves. They're trying to look at what Daniel Faka did because when you realize that he actually won something, I think there was something that was said in behind the scenes. They won the championship twice. Exactly. So I think there's something that, that was said behind the scenes that got Daniel Farka sacked. It's not necessarily um, that. Uh, yes, we thought might be part or, of it. Or you think, okay, I, I thought of this here. Yeah. Daniel Farka has been around for about four years or more, or was around four years, I think, at Norwich. And so you had varying degrees of success up and down. But at the end of the day, he was loved by the fans. So maybe the Owner just thought we don't want these seven new defeats to Chelsea to be his last match because it's have been so easy to pull the trigger then. But they were like, we don't want maybe this being his last match might tarnish his legacy. Let's give him the chance to win a match and then we sack him. So that's what they did. No, you can look at it that way, but the truth is, uh, like you said, I don't think they had a plan. 
But I just hope everything works out for them. I, and I like, like Dean Smith and I hope he becomes successful for them as well. Yeah, I think I think Dean Smith offers them hope of... I, so, so the way I look at it is they'll go down this year. They'll come up next year. But then the difference will be when they come up, they actually have a chance of staying in the league. Because with Faka, they always come up and have no chance of staying in the league. But this time around, I think they would have had a chance. Or they will have yeah. a chance. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, anything you want to add? Um, I just, I just would tell us to like, if we had time, just to touch on Daniel Alves. Oh, oh God, how could I forget Barcelona Football Club? Or is it Football Club Barcelona? Signed yeah, fo- Wait, let, Football let me, Club let me, Barcelona. Let me look. I, I think my, let me get my. Okay, okay. Barcelona Football Club just signed a few agents. And I'm sure people are thinking, wow, this must be a very world-class player that is about to save them. They just signed Daniel Alves that is 38 years old. What? <laughs> Honestly, um, you, you, we, we, you asked me this off air and I told you, I told you something. Um, this this, Bas- this um, signing is not a signing that I'm gassed about as a Barcelona fan. But the way I look at it is, there's, there's the, the, the advantages of having Daniel Alves outweighs the disadvantages. Yes, Daniel Alves what, is old. What are the advantages, please? Okay, I'll, I'll come to that. Yes, Daniel Alves is old. And yes, um, like that the reporter saying, we earn very less money. But let's be real, we still earn a very, very good amount that we see him sustain himself. So that's like, that. those are the disadvantages of having him. But the advantages of having him is, even at 38 years old, I, I don't, I don't, I, I will argue this with anybody. He's better than Sergio Des. He's better than Sergio Roberto. He's better than Oscar Minguesa. And those are the options Barcelona have right now. That's if, the, that's are we, if he plays. Are we, are we right now? No, no. And, and another advantage is Daniel Alves brings leadership into the dressing room. So oh, right now, oh, oh, because, because, sorry, sorry, sorry. Because Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, PK is not enough leadership. No, 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 no. no. Let's be real. Busquets, Busquets doesn't talk. Busquets doesn't talk. Alba, but, but you can Alba. lead by example, can't you? Must you no, you can lead by or... example. But when you have so many young players, you need to guide them, you need to teach them, you need to be vocal. When you have so many pl- young so players, what? so so if so if United run into trouble, then they should bring Wayne back, or if Chelsea, they should bring Drogba back. Because no, 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 that's that's not what I'm saying. Let's be real. Barca cannot be eating from the top of the tree in terms of sign player signings. So these are the kind of signings they can do, strategic signings like this. Sign get Alves in for one year, do a job, and he can leave. These are the kind of signings he can do. And to me, the only very the, like the most important thing that I really like about the signing is just that I'm not even bothered if Alves doesn't play, no problem. I need someone in that dressing room that we be able to call out players, even the senior players, and this is what Alves will bring. That's mentality. You know, that you know, winning, you know the interesting thing about this thing? Yeah? That winning mentality. Yeah, go ahead. The interesting thing about this thing is that Alves comes out as the winner, whatever happens. So, I'll give, I'll give different instances. Let's say Barcelona start playing well and finishing the top four. Oh, wow. Alves had a positive impact in the dressing room. Let's say Alves actually plays. That's without him playing much. Then let's not say Alves actually plays and plays well. So you're like, oh wow, Alves actually helped the team on the pitch. 
Then the third instance, Barcelona still continue this spiral and downfall and everything that is happening. Then it's the case of, well, Daniel Alves tried his best, but he couldn't do anything because the problem was bigger than him. So at the end of the day, Daniel Alves comes out as the winner. Meanwhile, Barcelona might not come out as the winner at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Those are instances that you point out and those can, any of them can happen. But the truth is, one thing I, 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 told, I told someone, even I told you this personally, you need strong characters in the dressing room and that is what Alves brings. He brings winning mentality. He brings leadership. He brings leading by example. All those kind of things. And when you have so many young players, those are the kind of um, culture you should be um, trying to to bring into the dressing room and i and that's the only that's the major plus side in this deal it's not even about alves playing or not and i just hope he, at the end of the day pay, pays off because i like alves honestly i mean every football fan likes Zani alves trust me best right back in the world at the point so it's not like i don't like alves it's just i'm skeptical about how this actually helps barcelona but i guess we'll see so now that brings us to the end of the episode Hopefully I'm not forgetting. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not forgetting anything important anymore. But um, no, Leonard, you have a busy day ahead of you, so let me leave you to get to work. Okay, all right. Thank you for your concern. Um, without <laughs> with that, guys, uh, we will see you in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>